Welcome everyone to this episode of Palmetto Guardian. Today we will be talking about counter drug. Welcome everyone. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker. And I'm Sergeant Tim Andrews. And for most of you that are watching or even listening, um, you probably realize that Specialist Erskine is not here in this episode. Um, we have a new soldier with us, Sergeant Andrews, and um, so he's coming over into the public affairs field. So welcome. Uh, glad to be here. So could you explain a little bit about where you were and how you ended up here and all that fun stuff? So I'm in air defense artillery. I'm with the 263 ADA up in Anderson, mm-hmm. and, uh, 14 Sierra. Work with, I deal with the Avenger weapon system. I was wondering, hey, what do I have to do to take photos or do something that what where I, when I was an R major in college um, up at North Greenville University, and I was like, well, what do I have to do from, uh, because I have a creative background, and I would just want to uh, do something in a career field, and I'm like, I know there's a, I know there's a job within the, within the Army, within the National Guard, that you can do this, but I, all I had to do is just message on uh, Facebook Messenger, like, hey, what, who do I got to contact, what, what do I got to do, and, uh, uh, Captain Donnelly answered, and she pointed me in the right direction. So I'm glad to be here and glad to do this. That's awesome. Um, it's funny because I also had to reclass, but I kind of figured things out a little differently. So you, with you being an art major, how did you end up when you enlisted? Were you in the? Um, were you in college whenever you enlisted, or were you already enlisted when you were in college? Um, so. I uh, started college uh, probably a year after I enlisted, uh, after I got from ba- I got back from AIT, then started, got, I, I got done with AIT in uh, December of 2014, and then the fall semester of 2015 is when I started. So how did you go from enlisting to the 263rd and doing that kind of job, but then going to college for art? Like how... How did that happen? Well, um, I had a really good uh, art teacher in high school, and uh, he definitely uh, very professional, very uh, experienced, and uh, definitely he got the results out of his students when it came to competitions, uh, when it came to work in general, uh, their body of work from once they started in his class to once they ended and graduated. Um, There was a large, there's a very big difference of like the growth that they've made. And so I had a great experience, and I was like, well, hey, what I wanted to be an art teacher at the time, so I was like, well, what do I got to do? And so I went to North Greenville. Um, I went I went there. Uh, they didn't have an art education program, which other colleges do, so then I would have to go to get my master's. And then by that time, uh, a year or two into it, I was like, all right, I've got a deployment coming up, um, you know. I just want to try something. I just wanted, like, okay, maybe – College is fun and all, but I just kind of like doing my own thing mm. and uh, uh, wanted to uh, wanted to try something within the guard that you're uh, I know there's like when I was on deployment in Germany in 2018, I met a public affairs uh, sergeant first class and he was taking photos. I was like, well, what are you what are you doing? Like, how, how do you uh, what do you do for that job? Or what are you? He's like, I'm a 46 year 48 46 Romeo and uh he was taking photos, and I was like, dang, I got to do that. While well, I was on deployment, and I was taking photos on deployment, I was like, uh, I, 
these look all right. I mean, they're not the best or anything. I'm like, these look all right. I'm like, okay, like I'll, I'll check this out. Like I started looking around on Facebook while after deployment and looking around and I'm like, okay, just shoot the Facebook messenger. I'm like, Hey, um, you guys know more information about this. I don't know who I'm talking to on Facebook, but <laughs> hey, could what be talking do, to anybody. Yeah, I could be talking to anybody, <laughs> but uh, what, who do, uh, could you guys point me in the right direction on what I need to do to get to this point or just at least just the first step would mm-hmm. be great. And uh, y'all did and uh, fortunate to be here uh, and it's great. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, I've been doing a lot of training with you and I mean, I've seen your photos and for somebody who didn't know how to do like, cause you have a art background, which is different than taking photos because you have a creative eye, but you're more designing, I guess, in a sense or, well, I was yes, not, no. I was, um, I, I took like the, I was more hands-on. I like doing the three-dimensional dealing with sculpture, mm-hmm. uh, printmaking. Um, I, j- I like doing the three-dimensional stuff. Just, uh, had a, exp- a good experience with that growing up, uh, just building things, having fun with it, just, doing whatever I can, then uh, eventually came down to, oh, I'm having to get grips with computer and stuff like that. Like, okay, I have to get with the times. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, coming from doing that kind of stuff and then taking photos and not really having a photography background, I think because you have that creative eye that it is more natural, like you still have to learn the basics and all mm-hmm. that fun stuff, but you have the creative eye for it, if that makes sense. Yes. So... We're glad to have you and everybody out there be on the lookout because uh, Sergeant Andrews, he is currently creating some cool, fun stuff for us for our YouTube channel. And you'll probably see some stuff on our Facebook. Also, he'll be learning photo and video and helping specialist Erskine and I do a podcast. So you'll see him um, every once in a while come and help us out. But um, just be on the lookout for that. And it goes to show that if you are on the fence of staying in or getting out and you want to do something different, that it is possible. I mean, I'm living proof of it. You're living proof of it. So mm-hmm. we preach about it all the time on these podcasts that um, the leadership is wanting us to talk to soldiers, figure out what they want, what they want to do. And most times, nine times out of 10, they just want to do something that they enjoy doing. And they may not have got that experience or the opportunity to do that early in their career. So we're both living proof that you can do it, so don't give up. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, within the within the past week or two, we just came up on the uh, end of my first uh, contract, uh, being six years. Mm-hmm. So I extended for a year. I was like, okay, within this within this year, I'm um, gonna try something different. I'm gonna have to work on ASVAB, do what I do what I need to do to uh, switch MOSs. Um, so yeah, it's it's possible that yeah, anyone can do it. Exactly. Um, So today, um, on a side note, we have some guest speakers coming in, and they're going to talk to us about a program that I think people know and hear about, but they don't know specifically what the program is. So um, they're going to come in, talk with us, and give us the inside scoop. So today we have Master Sergeant Kathy Shaw, the Senior Enlisted Advisor for the Counter Drug Program, as well as Lieutenant Colonel Brian Jazeski the um, coordinator for counter drug for the counter drug program so thank you both for being with us uh, today thank you for having us so uh, i understand that we're celebrating the 30th anniversary for the program so that's kind of interesting yes it's a a significant landmark for any agency to last 30 years especially the way the counter drug program has been funded and worked through Mm -hmm. the dod process 
So can you explain a little bit about what counter drug is? Because, I mean, I've heard of it, uh, especially the last several years that I've been full-time, but I don't really understand what the program is. Basically, the counter drug program supports a multifaceted strategy supporting law enforcement agencies, targeting both drug supply and community coalitions targeting drug demand. So basically, we have soldiers that have been trained, and we put them in the field with uh, law enforcement agencies now to detect, interdict, and disrupt drug trafficking with the law enforcement agencies. So that's not specifically like an MOS in the National Guard. It's a... it turns into a full-time job that really anybody can be trained on? Right now, there's no specific requirements for MOS. We bring in the right people who have the right set of skills that can communicate prior law enforcement officers and those that have the ability to work independently uh, on major tasks. But uh, there are some, uh, I, I want to say, congressional acts or, or some push right now to get uh, that to be a specific MOS, specifically 35 Fox Intel Analysts. But uh, right now they're not requiring it. But there is a push to have some certain MOSs uh, as a requirement for our job. And as we talk, you'll you'll see that this program is evolving quite a bit now that that we're in our 30th year. There's starting to be a lot of congressional oversight of the money as well as DOD oversight. So we're, we're getting some more guidance pushed down to us, whereas in the past we could pretty much run the programs ourselves. Okay. Now, is what what is a typical day, I guess, for somebody who's a part of Counter Drug? A typical day? Well, I guess it's probably different every day. <laughs> it is very different. Um, most of our guys work in the field, intel analysts that work with law enforcement agencies. So they report to work just like a law enforcement agent would every day, work their schedule, civilian-type clothes, even though they're on orders, active duty orders with the Counter Drug Task Force. So they work normal hours with those guys, and then we have... Uh, three or four that work in the counter-drug head shed, including myself and Colonel Jaszewski. And uh, we work the National Guard hours, of course, here. But uh, it's a normal work day for the guys in the field. So how does that work around, like, drill schedules, annual training, and stuff like that? We still perform drill, IDT, as well as AT. So um, we don't get excused from that, even though we're on active duty orders. But we still report once a month with our unit and do all the tasks that are tasked by the unit to do. So with that, like I said, the, the soldiers still have an ATIT requirement, but what we do is we help those soldiers become more proficient and be able to, to provide a better uh, set of skills towards the National Guard because they have to meet all the same requirements on top of their requirements to be analysts out in the field. They still got to meet uh, weapons requirements. They still have to meet PT requirements. Mm-hmm. All the training that we do, all the admin stuff we do, they, they still have to meet it as well. And so that's two people looking at them, their home unit and us as mm-hmm. well. So so kind of in a sense it's being kind of like being AGR technician where you're under the full-time eye, but then you also have your M-Day duties as well. That's yes. correct. So does that apply to um, – Can does that time apply to active duties time, I guess? It does. Actually, um, I think it was back in 2008 or nine. we had our first retiree from the counter-drug program. They had 20 years active duty. So we retire just like an AGR personnel would. Okay. So it does apply towards it. The only difference is where an AGR guy comes on, he has three years, and then he can uh, get a set of orders that carry him on indefinitely. We're regulated to congressional funding. So our orders are cut year to year based on what our funding is for our state. So it doesn't make it something permanent where you can stay, kind of, or is a yearly, like, 
you can stay on or uh, we don't have the funds this year, so you might have to find something else. Master Sergeant Charles done a great job in, in the financing of this, and there's a lot of push and pull in the budget. Definitely. But we once we get a soldier on and he's done a couple of years and he's dedicated to the program and we know he's going to, yes, we work to make sure he can make his 20 years. But there's There's been very few that have been not allowed to make the 20. As a matter of fact, we exactly. have several of them coming up right now in the near future, which is going to open up some opportunities for some younger soldiers to come in on this opportunity as well. Okay. Um, is there, what are, if somebody listens to this and they're like, this might be something I'm interested in, what are things that they can do or who can they contact to figure out if this is something for them? Well, normally I would, I would suggest the first um, contact their unit and the unit would then probably contact the AGR section, which would contact us. And we normally don't post jobs unless we're just getting ready to hire, you know, five or more that type, but usually the unit will contact us and say, hey, I've got a soldier who has certain skills that you might be interested in. Would you mind taking a look at them? And we go from there. Okay. So um, what, would, what would training look like exactly? Um, where would you go, and uh, how long would the training be for those uh, folks that are interested? Depending on where we're focusing our efforts, if they're an intel analyst, they can go to either – Leonard Wood, which has a, an Intel Analyst School, but mm-hmm. it, it's not really available to the National Guard and us as a, as a program that's more towards an MOS deal. But the counter-drug community has five different uh, schoolhouses throughout the United States where we would send them to Intel Analyst 1 and 2, which are two-week programs to get trained up. And then from there, they would learn a whole series of additional skills depending on what specialty they're going into, like I said, financial management, there's programs and computer-based programs that they have to learn and operate and get trained on, as well as Intel analysts, they have to learn how to do things with cell phones and computers that you see on TV and, and all those computer-based programs that you see on those TV shows. These guys learn how to operate those in the background. So they have to be, like, super tech-savvy, or kind of in a sense. In a kind of in a sense. (laughs) they got to learn the programs. they got to be able to communicate with the other federal and local law enforcement analysts and be able to communicate what they're finding and working those programs, yes. Okay, that was going to be me to my uh, next question was, you're going to be working along with, like, the the ABCs, the different organizations within the, the FBI, CIA, and stuff like that. Would you be working alongside or working... Again, our program is in support of federal law enforcement, state and local law enforcement. Mm -hmm. We can only support. We can't do active uh, investigations. We can't go in the field and do the work because of the regulations we have as Title 32 soldiers. So we support them uh, with everything they need and within the laws and the regulations that we have in their uh, field, not the field environment, but their their, um, agencies, headquarters, out in the local communities. Understood. So can you explain a little bit about this 30th anniversary? I know beforehand, before we started, you were kind of mentioning it, but could you go a little bit more into detail for us? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> programs, <laughs> the programs started as a congressional mandate, and like I said, money comes down, and we've been in the program, South Carolina, for 30 years as well. I'm not sure all states have been involved for 30 years because some states do come in and off of the program based off of funding. But we've been around for 30 years continuously. As a matter of fact. Yeah, I talked with one of the, the original guys that was here when the program was started back in 1989. And it, it was actually in the Poto at that time in the TAG building. Okay. So we had like three or four people here, and that was it. Um, so they, they came on like five-day orders at a time. Oh, wow. And then eventually it led to like 
less than six month orders, mm-hmm. and then it gradually it led into a one year order. But the first mission was Charleston, um, the customs where they would go and search for drugs on the ships and that type of thing. And then the second mission was Sled, started Sled. Right. Significant names. Uh, significant names. Well, of course, our first intel, one of our first intel analysts was Brigadier General Jones. Okay. Yeah, he was one of the first ones. So. That's yeah. interesting. We should have had him come in I know. and sit down with us. <laughs> It'd be an interesting talk. Yes, <laughs> oh, yes, we've had him on here before. <laughs> we want to bring him back. So that's, that's awesome. I, did, I had no idea that he was a part of uh, the founding of it, I guess. Yep, during his enlisted time, yes. Awesome. And look where he is today. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's crazy. So he's kind of seen where it started and where it's grown and how it's evolved over the years. Yes. So what else um, could you tell us about? Because I know you were saying that it's going to be changing over the next several years. Yes. Like I said, we had pretty much a, a free reign of our budget working within the governor's plan and uh, in accordance with the TAGS operations. So the governor sits down. Uh, actually, we put together a plan based on the threat analysis that we see, which is now called uh, TBRM, threat-based uh, analysis. And we target specific areas. Like I said, uh, we've been in the analysis business for a long time with law enforcement trying to work towards the interdiction part. Uh, But now we're trying to get back towards um, community-based involvement, which is the disruption part. And that means going out, working with uh, community-based organizations that are trying to work in the field to do a lot more of the prevention. Uh, I went to a, a seminar a couple of weeks ago, and they talked about the amount of interdiction we do if we looked at it by the numbers we're only interdicting somewhere between one and five percent of the drugs that are being flown in or moved into the united states so you can see how much we're missing so the question is how do we stop that and that answer is by by working the disruption by the uh, community-based people working with the users themselves to try to reduce that demand okay do you have any Is there, I mean, is there any, I know you have a lot of papers in front of you. Is there anything else that you uh, wanted to talk about with Counter Drug or the program? Just wanted to to go back to the point where, like I said, the the program is changing. We're looking to build a pool of some young soldiers that are looking to be interested in the program. Again, not everyone's going to be capable. I mean, I I attribute it to like the the SF programs. There's only a certain (laughs) few that can really make it in the program and last long enough. Because of the requirements of the day-to-day operations and the requirements to, to be able to communicate uh, to law enforcement back to senior command officers, but uh, please, if someone's interested, make sure you talk with your command first. That you're going to be supported by your command to come on Title Thirty Two uh, ADOS mm-hmm. counter drug orders, and then uh, they will get with either the counter drug program us or through the uh, human resources to get in touch with us. Now, is there a specified area where the uh, where you're going to work at? and Is it going to be in Columbia, or is it going to be in the upstate or lower part of the state, or does it vary? It varies. Yeah. We work the whole state of South Carolina, so okay. that's one of the issues. As we build a pool of people, we'll try to put them where they're close enough to home, but, uh, you know, right now it's a matter of what positions are opening. We only have a very limited amount of positions that we can fund, and we've already made uh, – shall I say, commitments to some agencies to fund or work with them, and we don't have you know, enough people to work for them. So. Now, does rank matter when it comes to these positions? Like, can lower enlisted, or is it, like, specifically NCOs, or how does that work? Well, actually, we prefer lower rank 
uh, to begin with because we're budget driven. Mm-hmm. It's all about the budget. So, uh, but um, it can be a, a career program where they can progress into a you know more rank. But usually, lower ranking is better. Again, we're congressionally funded, so yes. we're limited to our money. Yes. I'm the only officer right now in the program. Okay. And this is an NCO-driven program. That's what we're going back to in our in our changes. So there's only so many positions at the senior level that we can get to. But E4 through E6, no problem. Now, is there a certain amount of time in the Guard that you like to see? Or, I mean... Typically, if you're a specialist, you're going to be in for four or five years, depending on what you what you came in at in your progression through your unit. But say somebody was in for two or three years, is that just as good as somebody who's been in five, six, ten plus years? Again, it's it's a weighing of the totality yeah. of everything. If they're young and they have the skills, we can work towards getting you know their personal skills up. But if they're older and they have law enforcement and none of the computer skills. We'll work to get that squared away. Right. Yeah, so it's a totality of... Every case is different yeah. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were talking about possibly creating or a new MOS being introduced. How will that work with, um, will people who are already in the program, will they have to reclass? And then for those that are coming in, can they, will that be something that they can just enlist into or how will that work? That's being looked at right now by... The National Guard Bureau and the Department of Defense. What it is is they, they saw what the analysts do in the field, and they decided that uh, there has to be some more regulation and control of what they do and how they work. So what they decided to do was make a, make a requirement to make them all 35 foxes. Well, they found out that that won't work because if you have everybody as a 35 fox, if that unit deploys, guess what happens to... They all leave. They all leave. <laughs> so then they went back, and, and they're looking at some aspects of making one of several MOSs as a requirement. Um, could be anything from a cybersecurity guy to a, a human resources guy who has some analyst skills. But they're still working with that right now. It's not defined. For us, we look at the person themselves, do the interviews, see how they would fit into the organization, and if they have the right skills right now to communicate, work the computers, and be able to, to stay within their limits. Okay. Um, so, coming up on the 30th anniversary, where would you guys like to? Where do you guys see the? Uh, where would you guys like to see this program in the next five, ten years? For me, that's easy because I'm already <laughs> I'm already pushing everybody in the program. Mm-hmm. Like I said, um, we only have so many people, but I'd like to see the program at least move up 50 percent in size because of the requirements of going into community-based organizations and doing the deterrence, it's going to require some significant uh, personnel and people to work uh, throughout the communities. And I'd like to see that side of the uh, counter-drug program as big as the analyst side of the house. How many, I don't know if I can ask this, but how many people like do you have in y'all's organization? Let's just say we are in every federal state and in just about almost all the local law enforcement units that are in the state. Okay. Now, do you see a difference between South Carolina versus all the other states that are part of the program, or? Oh, absolutely. Is it, they are very different. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, we've been around for 30 years straight, like, continuously, so, I mean, we I feel like we probably have a leg up, in a sense, or 
we're well-rounded compared to all these other states that might come in and out of the program? I will tell you that we are probably right in the middle of the 54 states on funding of where we get money. So the bigger states have programs that are significantly larger. But, of course, if you look at a state like Texas or California, California mm-hmm. you can imagine how much area they have to cover. So, But, again, we go back to what is the actual threat, where is it coming from, and how is it being assessed. And, and the federal agencies are doing a good job with what they call high-intensity high drug trafficking areas and assigning specific requirements to counties. Right now, South Carolina has several counties that are considered HIDA, so that really drives a lot of where you're going to go and how you're going to do it. Okay. Now, obviously, with the name counter drug, it's, is it specifically geared towards counter drug, or do you sometimes have to deal with other things? Well, we're mandated to work just counter drug. That, that's what our mandate is. That's what the congressional funding's for, and so we have to stick within those limits, yes. Now, for somebody that's listening or watching, um, what are some tips that you would give them if they're interested as far as uh, maybe what kind of skill sets that they may need or what what are just what would be some good tips for somebody that would be interested in being a part of counter drug? Uh, to be honest with you, the best part would be the law enforcement training itself. You know, some of the guys in the National Guard are already law enforcement certified, so they understand what that takes and what it's been. The second part to that would be being able to effectively communicate and give speeches or talks and be able to say what's on the paper in person to, to the bosses, not just in the National Guard side, but to the law enforcement side of the house. And then lastly, and I don't want to say more important than, than the communication skills, would be the, the computer skills themselves. Okay. Is there anything? So would you guys train, you guys would train up uh, the folks that lack in these certain skills, you guys would fill the, fill the void of, where, they, where they're not trained in to train them? Absolutely. Like I said, there's several different courses they would have to go to to learn how to manipulate programs on phones versus manipulate computers or to use some of the programs that we use to, to assist law enforcement in tracking procedures and tagging procedures, if you will. Okay. Yeah, that answers it. <laughs> Is there anything else that you guys would like to add about the program or – about the 30th anniversary, you guys do anything fun to celebrate? Well, I'd hope that you put us <laughs> back in the next 30 years. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be around then, but <laughs> I'll pass the word on. <laughs> no, we're, we're just a, a close group of, of guys and girls that work uh, for the National Guard supporting the governor's plan to eradicate and, and disrupt this drug program, and, and we're still looking for some, some new people to come in here in the near future. All right, well, I really appreciate both of you coming in and talking to us today, and Hopefully we'll see you back in the near future to talk more about counter drug. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We might have to give you a legal update as all the legals change here yeah. in the next year. So. <laughs> well, thank you guys for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you. So that was some good information from the counter drug program. Yeah, that was a, uh, I did not know we had that program. Um, I'm glad we had, we were able to have them here and put that, push that information out so we can have the soldiers that are looking for, uh, Unique career, uh, unique career field uh, mm-hmm. to uh, want to pursue that. Exactly. And I mean, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, that if you're in a position where you're at the end of your first contract and you're wanting to, or not really even your first contract, but if you're just looking for something new, maybe, and it sounds like that's something down your uh, 
down what you're looking to do and you have the skill set, reach out to them, reach out to us, reach out to whoever and see if it's um, something that is doable. And also, I think it's crazy that it's coming up on the 30th anniversary for our state to have this program because, like they were saying, um, other states have had the program and then the program went away and then it came back. So it's crazy to think that we've had this program for 30 straight years Mm -hmm. and it's still going strong. And they're continuing to build it and hopefully in the next 5, 10, 15 years, it's double, triple the size of what it is now. And like we were saying before, it's a program that I think a lot of people have heard about and they've heard people talk about it, but they never really had a full understanding of what it is because you hear counter drug and you instantly think law enforcement Mm -hmm. and they're not really, they're basically assisting law enforcement in a sense, rather than the ones that are going knocking down doors and stuff like that. They're kind of like, they said that they were like analysts Um, receiving what it would have. I, I think it would be receiving, uh, what was it, like uh, cell phones, yeah. stuff like that, uh, I guess, from the scene, what they could scavenge, and um, then, I guess, look into, of like, hey, who are these numbers? and mm-hmm. uh, Connecting hey, the dots. Yeah, it's a, a <laughs> lot of, uh, it's kind of like, uh, was it uh, not, yeah, CSI or something like that? Kind of like, yeah. uh, like oh, like making like making these, this link to this person, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a, this person knows this person, all this stuff. It's very, very cool. Uh, that would be cool. They're just that I'd feel like I'm like a Sherlock Holmes or something like that. <laughs> uh, trying to figure out something. Yeah. It's kind of like putting all these puzzle pieces together and figuring out what the end result is. And I mean, in a sense, that's kind of, well, I mean, on a day-to-day basis, I guess we, as soldiers, we're given a mission and we have to do whatever it takes to get to that end mission. So in a sense, it's kind of, the same as us working full time or even just M day soldiers, they know what their mission is and they got to figure out how to get from point A to point B and everything in between is kind of just all the puzzle pieces that gets you to the end. Yeah. And it might not be all the answers that you're not, um, it might not be all the things that you're going to be, uh, you're not going to know what's in between A and B other than you need to get to that point. So, uh, I don't know it. I'd have to get my magnifying glass out and, <laughs> and just go, go start a snooping. Gadget. Yeah, inspector gadget and uh, start snooping around. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that they were able to come in and talk to us again. If you are interested, not only just in counter drug, but just anything in general, if you are looking for change, just reach out to your readiness NCO, a recruiter, the South Carolina National Guard Facebook page, because mm-hmm. apparently that works too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely reach out to somebody. Don't go without any questions unanswered because you may in your head you may think that it's not possible but in reality if it's something you really want and you show a passion in it I'm I know that there's people out there that are going to help you get to where you want to be so well I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker and I'm Sergeant Tim Andrews and we'll catch you in the next episode